You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose. And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. Oh, yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh, yeah, this is the stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Lamgoat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome to this week's episode of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. This week I am joined by vocalist James of the band Ringworm, who has been around for a long time, since the late 80s. They had a brief a brief stint off uh, a hiatus for a short period of time in the 90s, but then since 99 have been back full-fledged, uh, killing it. And... Um, James, welcome to the show. You're not the first person from Ring, Ringworm that I've had on the show. I did have Frank from Integrity and Hatebreed and Ringworm as well on the show yeah. uh, about a year or so ago. So welcome welcome to the Van Flip, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, what's been going on in your, uh, in your day-to-day? I know you guys have a, you released a new song a couple weeks ago, and you have a new album coming out next week. Uh, this podcast will, the, the album will be out by the time this podcast comes out, but August 18th, you have the, your, uh, your latest album that's dropping. Yeah, um, we're pretty stoked on it, you know, um, pretty excited for everybody to hear it. I mean, uh, you know, we've been doing this for a while, so we're kind of, uh, you know, when a new when we're ready to launch a new record, we kind of, you know, it's almost a relief sometimes because records take so long to come out, you know, so it's yeah. like we've been, we recorded this record, you know, over a year ago, so it's like... The waiting is—it's almost a relief when it comes out, you know. Yep, hundred. It's more—it's more relief. To, I mean, we're excited about it, but it's almost just a relief to finally get the product out. Yeah, like most of—I don't want to say hard work, but most of the diligent work is done, and now you can kind of go out and play it live, or you know, not have that he- uh, that on your back or on your conscious about having to wrap that yeah, whole process. That's up. the idea, you know. But like, once the record gets out, and we can finally take it on the road. Is that the plan? Uh, do you have, do yeah. you have anything lined up currently? I know yeah, I don't think got, um, um, as I'm speaking here today and uh, this this weekend we've got a show here in Cleveland mm. with a couple death metal bands, a classic band called Deceased, mm-hmm. um, another band here from Cleveland area, Nunslaughter. Cool. So we're doing that, and then a couple of days later we kind of flipped the script a little bit. We head up to Detroit and play with Sick of It All and Life of Agony. Oh, nice! You're gonna you add yeah, so we're yeah. kind of we're kind of checking all our boxes when it comes to this stuff. So, and then after that, um, in late September, we go out for three weeks with um, Venom Inc. and uh, old school British band uh, Satan. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, that's definitely a a, a trek. 
and uh, that should be fun uh, with the like for Vagony 30 year. That's, I remember it's on the River Runs through uh, River Runs Red uh, yeah. celebration, I would assume. Yeah, so that's that's gonna be a fun time. Um, I think so. It's a it's, you know it's um uh, we got hit up about doing that one a couple of months ago, and we're like, sure, that'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, should be fun. Um, so this is it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is your first nuclear blast record, right? It is. It's your ninth yeah. record overall, but your first with Nuclear Blast. How did that come into fruition? Well, it's kind of a strange, not, and I, I don't know if it's a strange story, but, um, you know, like any other band, the the, the lockdown and the shutdown mm-hmm. stuff for a couple of years really took a toll on a lot of bands. A lot of bands didn't come back from it. You know, a lot of, a lot of musicians couldn't get back into it after that because taking yep. two years off is devastating to to bands you know mm-hmm. and to not only to band like musicians but to like drivers and roadies and merch people and caterers and lighting guys and sound guys and managers you know when you have two years off you have to do something to make a living so sometimes there's a lot of people that just never came back to the music scene because they went out and got our quote-unquote you know real job yeah you know something more advantageous but, um, for us, it was a little tricky too, but I mean, we're in a position, we've always been in a position where we don't, we don't do this for a living for, you know what I mean? It's not our bread and butter. I mean, we do it as much as we can, which is quite a bit, and we never really seem to slow down, but we don't do it for a living. So um, it didn't really affect us on that front, like on a financial front, you know? Yeah. As a matter of fact, we probably all made more money by not doing the band, you know? But, um, so so we were after we finished our uh contract with relapse because we put out three records with, mm-hmm. with, with relapse and um they had an option for a fourth but at the time they decided to pass on it and we were fine with that because we had a nice you know three run three record run with them and we had you know uh they treated us good and they were really cool and but they wanted to pass on this one so we're like okay um so at the time we didn't have we didn't have a label we didn't have any type of management we didn't have a booking agent we didn't have anything really we had a facebook page of 40 50,000 people that got hacked mm. and then we had nothing there wow so we had nothing really so we're, except you know just the desire to still play music you know like yeah. let's fucking write a record so uh, during all that time matt was always writing because he's always writing so by the time we got into the studio um, we were under the assumption that we were just going to say, you know what, fuck it, we're just going to put this out ourselves. I mean, why not? You know, it's like we've been in this business long enough. We know how to do it. It's a lot of work, but you know, we're like, well, you know, we'll just do it ourselves. So we went in there, did the record, and um, we went. This time, we went with um, for for the entire recording. We went to uh, Mercenary Studios with uh, Noah Buchanan, and he had recorded the previous record just the music and it was um mixed by young out on the west coast and um i did my vocals separately taylor young sorry what's that you said young was it taylor young that did the uh, okay just making sure yeah fine so he he did yeah he did the mix on that and we're all real happy with that but you know what when we came in to do this next one noah's like you know what guys let me let me just have a crack at this whole thing you know, he's like, I got a good vision for how I want this, how this could sound. And we were totally cool with that. So 
Um, plus, it just kind of worked timing-wise and how chaotic the world was when this was all going down, and we kept everything in-house, and it was great. Yeah. So um, we went in there, recorded the record with the intentions of putting it out ourselves. And uh, when we were done, Noah was kind of like, guys, he's like, you know what? He's like, this is a pretty fucking good record. He's like, you guys should really consider, you know, giving it the old college try and seeing if someone wants to put this out. So, you know, we all like, yeah, okay, we'll do that, you know? So um, I hit up a few friends of mine and I said, hey, you know, some people want you to put this in front of someone's face and see what they think. And right away, Nuclear Blast jumped at it and they're like, yeah, let's do it. And we're like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. So we were able to give them a finished product, everything done, ready to, ready to rock and ready to go. So I'm sure they like that. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, um, so since then, it's been like pedal to metal with them. So nice. And uh, it's time for it to come out. So that's the abbreviated story about how that happened. <laughs> yeah, the shorthand. That's fine. Uh, would this be like a one one off kind of deal or is there like no, I mean, a possibility if, if, to do more? If this one does well and they want to do another one, we're, you know, cool. We'll do that. Um, of course, if, you know, the, sometimes the larger the label, the, the bigger the expectations are right. for a band. You know, you could there's some labels and some bands that if they sell two hundred thousand records, that's a failure. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? And we're not one of those bands, obviously, that's going to do something like that. I mean, that'd be awesome, but you know, so we'll see how they feel. I mean, either way, it's it's a good opportunity for us. It's a large label, great, great uh, overseas where we've kind of been lacking because we really want to get back over there. So it's a win-win for everybody, you know? If it, you know, if if they feel like they don't want to do another one, that's okay. You know, they we did one with them and it got our, you know, got us out there a bit more. And mm -hmm. if they want to do another one, then that's good news, you know? Yeah. And uh, I would assume everything leading up to getting with Nuclear Blast is all self-financed. Like you guys pay for the oh, recording, yeah. pay for the mastering, stuff like that. So yeah, yeah it makes sense yeah, that I mean, a regular would want to pick that up. They don't have to no, spend I mean, much money. We, we did everything. We, like I said, we were had the intentions of doing it ourselves. And uh, I mean, uh, the past, almost all of our record covers, I've drawn those and I did all the layouts and the drawings and the album cover. And, you know, we had it, we paid for everything. So by the time, you know, it was ready to, it was all done. Like I said, we, we were able to, to uh, shop a completely 100% finished product to, to mm. people, so um, to, to label. So that I'm sure that was quite attractive for a, anyone that wants. You know what I mean? Yeah, I of course, of course. So, um, but uh, yeah. So we, it was all pretty much all self financed. Nice. Uh, was there? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about the. Okay, so when when you do approach like. So a record label, I don't want to say Nuclear Blast specifically, but like, so let's say a record label wants to put that record out that you've already self-financed, like, how much more beneficial is that for, like, the artist or the band themselves when it comes to kind of, like, you know, splits and working with the label and this, that, well, and Well, like, you, you, you kind of have a, a leg up somewhat because you're not really dealing with any advances or having to recoup any type of any finance that, you know, you don't have to you know they don't give you a large advance because everything's already done that they'd right. be paying for so so right there that's less money you actually have to pay back to a label like you know you don't there's not not a lot of recoupable stuff and there's no art fees because the art's done and and all that shit so it, it you start in a pretty good place actually because 
you know, for for a band. Um, um, I'm sorry, I got a text here. No, you're good. Um, hey, what's up? It's Lurk. Looks like you're enjoying the podcast. If you are and you like what we're doing here on the Van Flip, why don't you go ahead and pause this, give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to. If you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene, visit lambgoat.com. And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full-grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, Lambgoat or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. Oh, sorry about that. But uh, as a band, yeah, you're going into it in a, in a pretty good situation. So I, as I was saying, it's kind of a win-win. I mean, you 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 know, on your end, you're gaining a lot from, you know, I guess the exposure and, and the the uh, social um, railroad that larger labels have to get your stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're benefiting because they don't have to put much money in. So um, it's a win. It really is a win-win for everybody on yeah. both sides. Because yeah. if the record tanks, well, they didn't spend any money. Right. And neither did we, but we got to put a record out that everybody got to listen to. You know, more people got to listen to. So, And it may tank now, but catch on later on like a cult classic. You never know. Yeah, Things well, that's, that's in a nutshell, a cult classic, right? <laughs> yeah. You only got to be around for 35 years, and then you become classic. Or yeah, legend. there you go. That's you're... another one. You're, legend. You're legends, man. Okay. Yeah. Let yeah, the legendary sure. band Ringworm is tossed around uh-huh. sometimes, too. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, yeah, not to harp on that specific topic, but um, was that would that be something that you'd do again, like self-finance it again through nu- like working with Nuclear Blast? Or what are no, the differences? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Um, we're just going to take one record at a time. Okay. But, um, I mean, we we even when we were working with labels and they supply, you know, they give you your advanced record and stuff like that it never really put much pressure on us too much to i guess oh, okay well we got to pay this back or this that and the other because honestly there's not much money to be made in record sales i True. mean at least coming from where i've come from it's like you don't make a lot of money in record sales so you know um you get that by going on the road selling t-shirts doing that type of shit yeah. um so as far as moving into another record if it's with nuclear blast or someone else we'd have to kind of you know see where we're at at yeah. that point you know um sometimes there's you know a little more a couple more perks maybe like you know different studio options or recording studio yeah, options or I mean, different well, producers well, i mean we're also a simple animal we really we, we really love the way that this one turned out um noah buchanan who who did this one for us um I, I, I don't say that he pre- he didn't really produce it. I mean, we produced it, but his engineering skills and the way that he was able to get these guitars to sound and the mix that he put on everything, it just um, it brings everything up just a notch from all of our other records. Not that I don't like those or I don't think they sound good, but he just got a little something out of us and made this one sound just extraordinarily more vicious. You know, it's it's dirty. 
and it's heavy, but it's not muddy. The mix, you can hear everything pretty crystal clear in it. And it's just, it, the, the, the level of aggression is, uh, you know, we kind of, I guess, one-upped it, one it from the last record, I think, just yeah. by the sheer production alone, you okay. know? Yeah, that, so, I was going to ask, I mean, in my typical questioning of like, you know, bands when they have new albums out, you know, you, you definitely uh, want to ask like, what sets this one apart from the last one? So what sets Seeing Through Fire apart from like Death Becomes My Voice or the previous ones outside of just the engineering and stuff like that as well? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, for a band like us that's been around, we always consider ourselves and we always wrote songs as we're kind of more of a hybrid band. I mean, even when we first started, we had elements of grind, elements of thrash, elements of kind of hardcore, elements of just straight up kind of thrash metal. We've always brought that. It's baked into our cake, right? It's baked into our DNA. And certain certain records um, have different percentages of each of those influences. Some records are a little bit more metal. Some are a little bit more hardcore. Some have a lot more punk influence to them. But it's, it's all in there. It's all represented in all of our records, some more than others, you know. And this one, I think we, we I know, like I said, we brought it back to, like, the roots, because that's kind of makes your eyes roll. But... This one, we kind of, um, I think all of the, all of our influences and elements that we've always brought into our music mm-hmm. are pretty well represented on this one, all evenly across the board, because, uh, and that's what we did early on. So we kind of had a little bit of everything. And this one is, well, all of them have a little bit of everything, but this one, they're all pretty evenly matched, you know, as far yeah. as like having some more hardcore stuff in there and then some thrash and then some grindcore and then some you know some straight up metal and then we've got and that's all delivered in a punk rock fashion you know what i mean so it's like they're all equally represented on this new record so and then you add that into um the production of the whole thing that has a fresh feel to it too Mm. and then you add in a, a brand new label which gives you kind of you know uh, 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 feels like you're you're energized by that, and then uh, on top of that, if, if with this one, I kind of went a different direction with the artwork. So in a lot of ways, it's a whole. It's I don't want to say a rebirth because we've been around forever, but with, <laughs> with with this record, it's it's everything. We tried to do stuff that we didn't do usually. You know, like yeah. we recorded a couple videos, and and a new one's going to be coming out soon. But usually. Um, and this was also a matter of time, but usually I'm really um, hands-on with those. I do a lot of pre-production for those. I do storyboards for a lot of them. And this time, because of either time conflictions or everything else, um, I went out and uh, worked with this production uh, team called The Coin, and I kind of was had a hands-off approach, which hmm. was difficult for me because yeah. I'm kind of a freak. But um, really happy with the way that came. I mean, we worked on it together, we bounced ideas, but at a certain point, I was kind of hands off and let them do their thing, which is unusual, you know. So there's a lot of different things about this that this this whole record that we've done differently, or stuff that we just didn't do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like letting letting people um, help a little bit more than we're used to. Yeah, you know, because we've always been a even though we've been on labels, we've always felt that we're a DIY band because we don't really have that that built-in 
you know, mechanism of, you know, everyone's going to help us out, you know, yeah. we just always have to kind of do our own thing and hope for the best. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a big, there's a fresh feeling about this new record that, um, all those things bring to the table. Yeah. Plus it was a longer period of time than normally that you, you guys have between albums. I mean, well, yeah, I mean there's, like there's the whole pandemic and shit that happened, but yeah, that really screwed the, and even like with, with relapse, it's like, you know, when things started opening up, you know, they could have been like, yeah, we'll put your record out, but you know, people didn't stop making music. Right. They just stopped putting it out. So when everything opened up, these labels were slammed with like two years worth of releases to put out. Mm-hmm. And then you had all the backlog at the pressing plants and all this stuff. So it's like, okay, we'll put your record out, but it ain't going to come out till 2024, you know? And we're just like, we're 50 years old, man. We've got to get this record out now. So that's why it was, you know, obviously they passed on it, but we're like, okay, well then the quickest way to get this record out would be to just do it ourselves and cut through all the record label bullshit and just put the record out. We just assumed that people that like us were going to buy it anyways. They like what we do and they're going to buy it, which was fine with us. But then with the nuclear blast coming to the table, then we're like, all right, let's do that instead. That's yeah. probably a lot better than doing it ourselves. So yeah. Do you guys normally, I mean, obviously you normally stay to that frequency of releasing like five or t- five or six albums in a 10 year span. Um, now that you guys have had a little bit of a breather within, you know, 19 to, to this year, 2019 to this year, uh, do you guys, want to re you know go back to the every year two years making a release or do you want to probably what it'll be i mean i mean you know we're realistic about things we're old dudes i mean but we still bring it as hard as any these young kids so it's like you definitely you know you know it's we have to be realistic sometimes and be like and usually every record me and matt kind of look at each other after you know, after a certain period of time, we kind of look at each other like, well, I'm like, what do you think? You know, do you want to do another record? You know what I mean? Because this stuff isn't easy to do. Of course not. You know, it's not easy, especially when you get out and tour and you have grown up responsibilities and all that shit. You got to look at each other and be like, hey, man, what what are we willing to do? What are we all able to do at this point? You know, none of us can get up and go and be on the road for six months out of the year. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. So we kind of look at each other and we're, the answer is always yes, because we just love doing it. You know, so Matt's like, well, yes, because I already wrote the other record. You're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have another record. So and are, are you saying that there's another record in the mix already? Probably. Okay. Probably Matt is a, Matt is a writing machine, not alone for Ringworm, but he's also in a band called, um, uh, Shed the Skin, which is like a 90s death metal band. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the scene there he came from originally. And they came up in that scene. And they're very good. And they have three records out. And I think a f- they, have a f- they have four records out and a fifth one on the way. And then he does another band called Rip Ride. And that's their second record's coming out. And they're kind of like a Dokken 80s style metal band. Okay, okay. Really good. He just continuously writes, so I have no doubt that he probably has more Ringworm songs already. Oh, interesting. So, interesting. Yeah, so he he's he's just a writing machine. So, you know, we kind of uh, just assume that we're just going to keep doing it until someone drops dead, probably. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to laugh, but the way, you know, just the way you put it, it's uh, very hey, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but we still like the only re- we we like it because we love doing it, you know. Yeah. Like, 
we're lifers. It's hard to think of just being sitting at home and not making music. It's just a weird yeah. foreign concept to me. And for me, it's always been very therapeutic. I mean, from the get go, I get to scream and yell my balls off about all sorts of shit. And so not too many people have that, that release, you know, like that. Yeah. That and if people do it you know, in public, it's usually not a good sometimes thing. they even actually give you money for it and they yeah. like it. I don't, whatever. Yeah. Um, we're weird. <laughs> yeah. How, I mean, speaking of like, you know, writing re the record and everything like that, like you guys have been around for so long, put so many records out. Like, I know you just kind of, you know, give, get, shed a little light on like, it's easy for Matt to like just crank out riffs and stuff like that. But it like, how is it at this particular point with a discography as long and as deep as you guys have, like, how is it difficult to write a new record? Um, not for him. Like you said, Matt, <laughs> Matt not for Matt. Um, it's the riff machine. For right? me, it's challenging a little bit because, you know, if you're an outsider and you look at the type of music we do, you could you could easily say they all the songs sound the same. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For the untrained ear. For sure. Everything sounds the same. It's the same tempo, same kind of beats, which is true, probably, but that's for an outsider looking in on it. You know, you right. can say that with almost any genre. Exactly. But, I was going to say that. But, um, you know, for me, it's, it gets challenging because you don't want to, you don't really necessarily want to repeat yourself lyrically as far as like the cadences. You, you basically, it's like a puzzle, kind of. I'll hear a song and I start putting, um, I guess, patterns, vocal patterns mm -hmm. together. And that's kind of like a trick. It's like a puzzle trying to figure out how to do, how to sing differently over the same tempo for, 30 years yeah you know, and it becomes challenging now like lyrically that's not too challenging because i'm just, you know all your topics that you sing about are the same as you know you what do you what's anyone saying about they're saying about life death love loss you know all, all the the main things that anyone ever sings about are there you know what i mean you see how you see the world how you see yourself all those things are still the same now your perspective of those things will change from the time you're 18 to the time you're 51. You know, some <laughs> of them should stay. Some of them, I still hate some of the same shit I did when I was 18. But a lot of stuff, you have different perspectives on on things, and the world changes around you, and you just kind of watch it go by. And you know, the world never ceases to give you tons of ammunition to True. Um, write about it. And you know, and the, and and I'm pretty. I'm pretty um, in tune with the fact that I don't have much range. I mean, my vocal my vocal toolbox has like three hammers in it. You know, a large one, a sledgehammer, a regular hammer, and a ball peen hammer. Those that's my musical toolbox. Yeah. So, and I don't I don't you know for this I don't really sing. You know what I mean? So that kind of narrows your um, you know, no one wants to hear a love, like, you can't really pull off, like, a nice love song with this type of music. The music no ballad, doesn't... No ringworm ballad in the... In the yeah, uh, the, yeah, the music doesn't allow it, and neither does my vocal range. So, <laughs> right there, you're, you know, right there, you're kind of like, well, this becomes an outlet for, you know, um, aggression. You know, it doesn't become an outlet for, like, peace and love. It just doesn't, uh, it doesn't allow that. You know what I mean? So... At least for my, for my coming from where I'm coming from. So, but lyrically, it, it's challenging. But um, 
once you get it's when you take a lot of time off from writing for me um things come slow when, it, when it's time to do a new record because matt will they'll record the whole record before i usually hear all the songs it's almost done okay and then i get those and i sit down with them and i just start pecking away at them and the more i do it sometimes it just starts coming like really easy but you got to work your way into it or at least i do I mean, sometimes I feel like I got a total block. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I've never written words before. <laughs> and then, you know, and then as I go, by, by the time I get two or three songs in, they everything just starts flowing. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. boom. And, uh, you know, start going, um, just start writing. And it's, and it's strange, too, because a lot of the times I do these things, I'll ask what, what a certain song's about, and I may not know what it's about. Hmm. Like, I'm like, I don't know. It's just shit that I wrote down, and I may not know what about what it's about until maybe two years later when I listen to it, and I'll be like, "Oh, wait a minute, that's what was going on." Now it makes sense to me what the hell those words meant. Interesting. Yeah. So it's it's a weird it's a weird thing sometimes, but overall, I just think about stuff that I think I know about, or you know, the way I feel about how I see things, because there's a lot of bands that will, you know, sing about how how hard they are how tough they are and maybe they are who knows but that's not me but sometimes i i see bands doing that and i know them i'm like dude you're not fucking you talking about man you know what i mean like yeah yeah you've never done that in your life what are you talking about so that's okay and that's okay too it's just all it's all good but i uh have a tendency to take things more in a personal direction i get that so yeah it it gets it gets tough to do that and it's and it's taxing too because you've got to drive especially when you write about stuff like that those songs don't necessarily lose all their meaning the more times you play them so sometimes you're singing a song that's 10 15 years old and you've got to kind of dredge up old fucking bullshit and yeah. with them that you don't really want to anymore you put it behind you but you got to sing that song every night yeah that's always kinda... curious because I, I think about that too because i obviously like like you said things change from when you're 18 to whatever age later mm-hmm. in life and like are yep. there songs that like you guys have written maybe that lyrically you don't maybe align with the same views anymore and do you guys play those still or do you not play yeah, those anymore? yeah i mean look there's not anything that i've you know plus it's like hey i i, I i've never really done anything like wrote about stuff that i've that i've gone so far away from that i couldn't sing it anymore gotcha you know but it's also it's like sometimes you just got to dredge up painful memories and sing about those yeah. all the time in regular life most people don't have to do that right. you have to, you can, you <laughs> can like get, get on with your abusing life. yourself you know yeah you, yeah you exactly you know you can get on with your life and be just fine and put stuff in the past but sometimes you got to think about it even if it's in the back of your mind you're thinking about it you know yeah. what i mean so. that is something i think about a lot too when people are writing songs about either ones they've lost or relationships they're no longer in or you know traumatic sure. events and stuff like that like so since you clearly have experienced something along those lines in the long career uh, career in ringworm like a can you explain like how that feels in the moment while singing because obviously or by while screaming that that is um you know that you're probably there's got to be an internal battle of emotions with what's going on oh, around i mean you know, you, but at the same time, you're also you're. Are you out of it a little bit because you're on stage and you're in that mode, or? Yeah, you, yeah, you definitely. I mean, I do. I get locked in, and I'm. You'll find me a somewhat different person when we're playing a show, but. Mm. Um, you know, it's it, it. Sometimes it's easy to just turn it off and on, 
and a lot of times you you are you're having a show you're you're entertaining people so it's like sometimes you know you do your best on some of the ones that really really hit home just to just to kind of focus that they're just words mm -hmm. you know they you, you try to put that you try to compartmentalize that shit you know and just be like just play the song and you're good you know what i mean yeah you don't try to dwell on it too much and uh and then other times you kind of appreciate it too because it reminds you of, of maybe of a of somewhere you fucked up in life and not to do it again you know what i mean or how far you've come from that moment. songs are reminders of that too you yeah. know so you're like okay when you sing it all the time it reminds you like oh yeah don't be an idiot mm. yeah. you know for sure um you mentioned earlier that you have some more uh music videos coming out for the album and whatnot um Historically, you guys haven't really released a, a ton of music videos. I think uh, you've released one early, early, earlier for No Solace, No Quarter, No Mercy. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think and, and you're, you would know more than I since you have, you're way more hands-on with all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys didn't release a video or, or two videos in a year except for 2016. And I think you have, like outside of that, a handful of videos overall, right? Yeah, I mean, well, one, one's money. I mean, true. Okay, we don't have the money to do it. It's really hard to get things done and do it well. Um, we did one for um, our third album. This is a little interesting story about that that maybe your listeners don't know. Mm. But this is a kind of a, a, a weird thing. So we did we did a video for Justice Replaced by Revenge, and that did really well because at the time our friend uh, Jamie Josta was doing Headbangers Ball. Yeah. So he was able to pull some strings and get a lot of his friends' bands on there, and that video got quite a quite a bit of play on Headbangers Ball at the time. I mean, granted, it wasn't as huge as it once was when I was a kid, but it was still really fucking cool. It was the last stronghold for music videos on that thing. Almost. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're probably right there. You know, um, so after that, let's see. We didn't do. We did one. For, I think we did. I think we may have done one for almost every record. We did one for used up spit out on uh scars but then fast forward to um god i'm gonna be gonna put on the spot to try to remember all our fucking records but we but about 15 years later we did a video for um shades of blue which was off of uh snake church, snake church. now that record now that video was a, a direct sequel to the um justice replaced by revenge video mm. Interesting. It's a story that we continue. We were able to continue, like years later, with the same same actress in it and stuff. And then fast forward to the next record, we did a song called "Acquiesce" uh, from our previous record just now. And those are those three videos are all in the same the same story being told over a twenty year period, kind of. I mean, they're supposed to be right next to each other, but we were right. able to kind of do that. So. The idea at one point was to shoot a few extra pieces of footage to really link those videos together and make it one short little, I guess, little short movie. Mm -hmm. That idea is still there, but time's ticking on some of that stuff. But um, yeah, so that was a little interesting factoid about those videos. But we, we've done a few when we can. We did one for the Ninth Circle, which was pretty good. We had a relapse came off and... Uh, uh, gave us a, a decent amount to work with and of course with all the videos since I'm so hands on a lot a lot of the fucking work and pre-production I do for free mm. you know mm. I, I arrange stuff and I'll put in my own money just to get these things made 
and it's just you know um i like doing them i hate i like producing them and making them and you know i when you do them anyone that's done a music video before it's very tiring and it's you feel like an idiot because you got to lip sync the same song for 30 times in a row you know yeah. so you kind of feel like a dork that's something but, that people probably don't realize you have to actually yeah, lip sync I mean, you, it. <laughs> you know it's like you just gotta and, and honestly pretending like you're singing a song is more tiring than actually doing it because you've got to go balls out you know like yeah. this is really happening and you know it gets tiring but um i guess fast forward to this new record um that was a benefit of coming to the table with the finished product because that way they were able to oh, give us yeah. money for videos. Interesting. That's, you know what yeah. I mean? So they didn't have to pay for a record, but they're like, well, here's some money for some videos. And we're like, all right, cool. Now we're talking. So we did we did uh, one for the first song. We did like, I did like a little lyric video for the second. And then the third video for the, I guess you'd call the focus track um, of the new record. Um, I just saw the... Um, the early cuts of that yesterday actually it's pretty cool pretty nice. cool so we're uh we were um and it was great too because the guys the guys that do the coin the production company out in detroit really cool dudes um we were able to go to them and be like look we've got x amount of money okay and we want to shoot two videos can you do both of them for this so we were able to kind of maximize hmm. our money by going with the same people and they were great to work with, and they were like, cool, it's gonna come out, nuclear blast, all right, that's good for them, and we're like, all right. So we went to um, Detroit and actually shot both of the performance parts of the video the same night. Okay. It was a long fucking night. Well, we saved money there, and uh, it was long and tiring, but uh, dirty, <laughs> really fucking dirty. But um, yeah, so that was a benefit of having a, you know, having a record done when you went to a yeah. record label you know what i mean um i i advise it for for, <laughs> for, who, really for those who can do it yeah it's fine as I, own. yeah you know um obviously putting out your record yourself is okay for some bands and it's cool and at this point you know we've been around so we kind of know how to do that stuff and it's just a lot of work so it's depending on how much fucking work you want to do you know if you really want to get your record out there and uh I'm kind of thankful I didn't honestly we, I didn't have to do all that because that would have been all on my shoulders yeah. and I wear a lot of hats already so um, but yeah that was a benefit uh, one of the benefits cool you know? yeah that seems to parlay better for you guys and um, I, there's now I have many questions to ask you but I'm going to land on two hopefully I can remember the other one before uh, okay. before you finish your answer that you're about to answer how okay. beneficial is like a music video for like a hardcore band well you know that depends if you think you're a hardcore band or not <laughs> okay yeah i get what you're saying you know there's a lot of people that hear us and they're like they're a metal band yeah you a know? band uh, how beneficial is it for a band in the diy scene i should say there you go yeah. there you go um you know i don't know i mean it gets it i think i think it hit a low point at some point but i think i think pe now that people um tend to not go a lot of places anymore you know in general i mean obviously you know I, I and frankly i think you know the lockdown the pandemic shutdown really did a number on people's collective psyche as far as interacting on a personal level i mean i just think um you could probably prove that if you want but just my overall feeling of it just people don't like 
to go out anymore yeah. for some reason. You know what I mean? I think that's not crazy thing to say. So I think the music video has kind of had a little bit of resurgence um, because people can see you, you know, the comforts of their own cell phone, you know yeah. what I mean? And um, I think mo more labels are, they seem to be willing to offer you more money to do that. And I think with, with the way social media is and YouTube, all this blow stuff blowing up even bigger than it already is, um, they need that that type of product out there. They need that visual product out there. So I think I think it helps. Mm. And I I certainly enjoy. I, I like making them because I'm a huge movie fan, and I just like the process of making them. I think it's it's really cool. Um, it's tricky too because music videos you could really make something really awesome and very, you know, artistic and yeah. gratifying. And then it gets ruined because you've got to shove in a bunch, a bunch of people playing guitars and singing and shit. You know yeah. what I mean? You can yeah, take yeah, a good yeah. song and then everyone's like, well, you're not even in it. You know, so then you got to cut out all this stuff to shoehorn the band in there. Mm. And But you people, you know, bands still find ways to make it interesting. And if they got the loot, they sometimes they go really big with stuff with effects and all sorts of shit. And, uh, you know. I certainly enjoy the good ones. There's some that are just made for just easy consumption, you know, and yeah. uh, and that's okay too. But I think I think they're a little bit more, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, useful these days, I think. Yeah, um, definitely more beneficial. And they the were content. for a while. Yeah, for I, I totally agree with you. I, I think um, around the time when I mean, you may look at it differently because of you know. Um, age and whatnot, but I'm 40 and or I'll be 40 next month. But you know, I did grow up on an MTV when they were playing, you know, music videos. Granted, they also incorporated some other kind of programming by the time I was right. like cognizant of MTV. But mm -hmm. you know, I want to say that like toward the end, there you have Headbangers Ball, 120 minutes, or, or you know, with those things yeah. going on, and then you start seeing more of a decline in music videos, and that's probably because they weren't being shown on TV as often, okay. and we didn't have the internet. But I think even with the sure. internet, uh, like MySpace and you know YouTube and, and everything in the infancy, they weren't really that big either. But now that video content seems to be like the number one priority for a lot of outlets, oh, social media, and stuff like that, it seems yeah. like all that stuff's coming back like in a resurgence. And I'm here yeah. for it because I enjoy that aspect of. You know the the music. yeah you're 100 percent right. I mean, I mean everyone lives on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, so yeah. it's like you to show something. So these music videos are a way to do that. You know, um, yeah, you're right. Speaking of, you brought TikTok up, so I have to like ask. I know a lot of content for like the hardcore metal world gets shared on these platforms, and a mm -hmm. lot of the people that aren't really familiar with a lot of what goes on in our scene whether it be like moshing, stage diving, bands, you know, sounds that they're not used to. How do you think like social media in the last handful of years, you know, including pandemic and whatnot, has changed the landscape of like the metal and hardcore world? Well. And is it for better or worse? Well, you're also talking to a guy who's 51 who doesn't. <laughs> That's why I want to know, man. Well, you know, my perspective is a little different. I, I use those things, but not like, not like a lot of people. I don't live on those things. Right. Um, certainly use them and I look at them occasionally, but I don't stay on them for long, you know, because I think that, you know, it's just, 
I don't think people's brains are wired to consume thousands of mini images all day long. You know what I mean? I think it kind of rewires your brain. No, yeah. Think Definitely adds stress, I think. It adds stress. It just, it, it just, you know, we could go into the psychology of that, but... Um, That's a black hole, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a black hole that we don't have the time for that, nor the expertise, but... Um, you know, I, I mean, it's an important tool. Nonetheless, this is how people communicate. This is how they find out about things. This is where they a lot of people get their ideas or formulate their opinions on stuff from watching this type of stuff. And in lieu of actual physical or being there personally for stuff, they get you know, this is how information is exchanged these days for the most part. And that's that can be good or bad. I mean, it's you know it's 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 a flip of a coin as yeah. far as you go there but um i'm not sure what the actual the question was behind this but i think uh how how is it how has it changed the yeah. way people look at this genre or how's the, I mean, no no how's the landscape of the actual dis- scene changed with the well, like the no, addition of I, that and people newer people younger people well, finding yeah, it. you know what you could probably apply that to just about anything because also, um, uh, you know, for, for all my even before I started this band, well, a little bit before, around the same time, uh, I've been a tattoo artist for thirty plus years. Um, that's that's my bread and butter. So you can apply that same type of thing to tattoo culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could be yeah, exactly. You could be um, a mediocre tattoo artist, or even a poor tattoo artist, because there's plenty of them. You know, there's plenty of great ones and plenty of shitty ones because that genre or that that career path or that uh profession has exploded over since my time and oh yeah it's it's insane you can't go to a bar or a barber shop and throw a nickel and not hit at someone i tattoo you know what i mean so well shit you can go into a corporate office and most most if not half of the uh people that work there sure. now are tattooed sure yeah. and that's i mean that's that's good for business but it's also <laughs> changes the business too yeah but um you could have you could be a mediocre tattoo artist who is on your on top of your game as far as social media goes. I mean, you could be like, you're not very good, but you know how to light your pictures. You know how to put filters on them. You know how to yeah. take the right videos, put the right songs, know the algorithms. And next thing you know, you've got 200,000 followers. And that automatically makes you popular and mm-hmm. good. You know, and people want to get tattooed by you. Does that actually make you a good tattooer? Maybe. Maybe yeah. not. Art is subjective you know? in that so, matter, but you never know. That type of thing, you know, a lot of people spend more time in a lot of professions um, working on their uh, socials, you know, making sure their socials are huge than actually doing the work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so 100%. And, and that's for some coming from me who works, I work on everything about 20 hours a day. I only sleep four hours a day, you know, so, and my socials are just there you know I mean I don't really I don't you know I don't have the time to work on my socials because I'm too busy making stuff yeah so sometimes that's gotten reversed and I'm imagining that's probably the way it is um, with music too, extreme music you know if you can get a you can get a viral clip out there on you know any of the platforms you yeah. yourself a viral clip a clip on, on TikTok your band could be huge you know what yeah. I mean and, and and you may not you could be a great band who knows but you could also be a shitty band but it doesn't matter you become you become you know popular yeah yeah so 
I don't know if any of this is a good thing or I mean it certainly is there's negative things to it when you talk about the whole I guess the integrity of the music right. or <laughs> right. you know if it's actually good or not you know sometimes it don't even matter if it's good some people love shitty bands not know? true yeah for one reason or another they're big on they're they just find the right niche they become they go viral for whatever reason they become a thing and you look back you're like they're not really a good band you yeah. know but they're fucking huge and i guess good for them that's cool so i guess how it's changed or how it's affected the the, the, the extreme or hardcore music scene i think all that all, all what i said it kind of you know, it is what it is now. You know, of course, I mean, yeah. There's no going back. There. There's no more. There's no more paper fanzines. You know, there's no more. You know, people like, you know, doing tape trading and stuff like yeah. that. That's yeah. that's all gone gone away. Yeah. And that's probably never coming back. You know, yeah. there's still people who hold on to that type of nostalgia, which is cool. Some people are still doing it, trying to keep it, keep it real. Yeah, I mean, they're but, making they're making tapes now for like newer bands but like my question is are they making tape players for these right. things to be yeah, played you're, you're, that, it's, it's, it's a novelty and it's cool but where are you going to listen to that at, yeah. you know and, and if we're being serious that's like the worst way to listen to like you know the band's yeah, music like, in my opinion yeah, I'm going to put something out on a dead format that's not really sounds good I mean I suppose though if you put like black metal bands on cassette tape it would sound awesome because that's how they should sound right right <laughs> yeah. it would sound like they're made on a boombox yeah, you know that's the good stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I like some of those cassette tapes. They're pretty cool. I rarely buy any. If I see them, I've got, I've got drawers full of about a thousand of them in the other room. Yeah, you know? from your old collection when you were using oh, them yeah, as sure. tapes, as tape you know, players. I've got, I've got about you know four hundred VHS tapes, and I mean, what do you want? I got yeah, laser Lord. discs. I got all that shit. She's always laser discs. Um, yeah, no, I asked the, the social media question and like the newer because you know like. It definitely, I think a lot of younger bands and people, some people in general think like Twitter or your streams on Spotify or all this other like notoriety you get from online, whether it's followers or comments, whatever, that equates to real world stuff. When in reality, you know, a lot of bands that might be super popular and they might have, you know, thousands, if not millions of streams or, you know, they may have like large followings, they play like big festivals and they do really well on the festival type circuit. But if they were to like have to, you know, headline clubs right. or s small venues, there. you know, that's when you really start seeing like the true, the trueness of like your following. When when you can pull those bands out just by yourself and not be on like a day long fest with eighty other bands that are pulling in sure. you know, thousands. I mean, that's like yeah, sure. Anyone looks great when they're playing in front of fifty thousand people. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's it's strange too, and and this is this. You know, I've seen bands that do really well. They can, they they got the moves. They know what to say to large audiences. You know, and there's like an ocean of people. They could really work it, and they could they they're great. They got the whole thing. But if you put them in front of a small crowd, <clears throat> they don't know how to interact with a, on a one on one level, right. or a personal, more even if, when I say small, even if it's like a thousand or five hundred or maybe even two hundred, you know, or less, they have a really tough time translating what their music their music to a smaller audience and that's a kind of a telling thing to me somewhat you know what I mean if you you know 
granted, I've never had the opportunity to do the other side, you know, <laughs> play in front of millions of people, but I certainly would like to. Um, Take that festival organizer. We certainly have experience playing in front of small crowds, so, and, and it just becomes a personal experience somewhat, and that's that keeps you honest as a, music, as a musician or a performer, I think. You know, when you... You, when you're singing or you're playing, and you can actually look out in the crowd and just look at someone, and they're, you know, they're, you know what I mean. You kind yeah, of make eye contact because there's there's only four people in the place, you know. <laughs> but but you know yeah, what I'm saying. Like, and then you know when you when you get, we've played some bigger shows, but you know when there's that many people, they just become a thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's not you lose lose like a personal connection. And I see a lot of bands that are that do those fests that. On smaller venues, it's it's very awkward. You know what I mean? Like all this, all the kind of rehearsed stuff you would say to a large crowd doesn't work when there's only right. twenty people. Yeah. So find your, they find themselves in weird positions sometimes. Um, but you know, I guess if you never don't, if you don't have to worry about that, then that's okay too. Yeah. Know? I get stuck in this weird limbo to where like I do enjoy going to these festival type situations and seeing you know massive amounts of bands and. This or the other, and obviously, like those festivals may attract bands that may not come to our area frequently, or something like that. But I also have this like really nagging feeling that festivals are killing smaller shows in smaller clubs sometimes because now bands don't focus on playing those types of venues or writing music for those types of venues. They want to shift gears to how can we land on festival X or Y, you know? And yeah. it's um. I hope I'm completely wrong, right? Like, I hope that I'm wrong, but no, part of I mean, me thinks well, that, I mean, that it has a cause and effect there, to it. There has been, um, just, you know, judging from where I've come from and see stuff, you know, there's definitely been a shift because there's, the, the tracks are laid right now. It's the groundwork or the patterns that you need to do to get to a certain level are right there. You, there's, there's almost instructions on what you need to do to get to that level. Right. Whether you make it or not is one thing, but... You know, when I started the band, there was no intentions of doing any of that. We were just having fun and playing music and playing shows. There was no bands often get together now with the intention of being that. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely I, how I something's that, changed over the course of the time. And I don't see that as a bad thing because you, as a band, you want to be successful. You want to be Kiss. You know, we wanted to be Kiss too. But you know, in reality, we were just you know five guys making music and having fun. But now there's there's you know with with social media and. You know, we got back to the, you know, the TikToks and the viral videos and your stage production and, you know, all this stuff. It's, you know, that that template is laid out for a lot of bands to go directly for the goal, you know, and do whatever it takes to get that. So I don't know if that makes you, a, a, you know, and plus you, you have to compromise your sound. You, you, you're almost in a pigeonhole because you need to make you need to make music that appeals to the most people. Yeah. That 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 is very helpful. That's one thing that we kind of fall on the downside of. <laughs> Granted, there's probably a lot more people that will like us now that they could hear us. You know, I'm not degrading our music at all, but I think you know what I mean. There's, yeah, you're not changing your you're not changing the cornerstones yeah, of the band. You know, we're not we're not starting a band like let's do a band like this because yeah. that's what everyone's listening to. We just uh, let's do do a band. Um. But yeah, I mean that's also, you know, you have to kind of change with the change with the environment if you want to stay at certain levels. So, yeah. but again, all that is okay. You know what I mean? It's all whatever people want to do. I never really diss anybody. You know? I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I mean, if if we were sitting down having a beer or whatever, and we 
talk about well, what do you think about this i'd be like well i think this you yeah. know but i never i never found um any reason to just go out and rip on anything you yeah. know what i mean no i, I get just, it 100 percent because like there's you know even at running lamb goat like there's a horde yeah. of bands right that i don't care for or i don't understand or I, it's not for me one way or the other right that's not yeah. to say I'm not. We're not going to cover them or post about them. You know, like our job is to inform the scene of our, you know, the industry and the scene about. Well, I'm what's sure going I don't on. need to inform you that. Let, <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> the Lamb Goat message board is um, made for dissing everything. Yeah. So that's that's it's. I often have you spent you know, some time tell, on there. Have you spent some time I, on there? Dave? I often tell people, and I've been guilty of it too. They're like. You know, you put something new out, and was like, just don't go to Lamgo, dude. If if you, unless you have a very strong fucking confidence in what you do, don't go there because people just say the fucking most ridiculous shit. Yeah, I find it it's pretty funny sometimes. You know. Well, I so. think I think, and you come, but again, you come from a different time and a different culture yeah. and stuff like that. But like, you know, Lamgo came around, and like bands were dissing on bands within the comments and the message board. Like they were, they're fans of the band dissing on the band. It's Sure. Granted, yes, there might be a you know an average uh, neckbeard somewhere that's just in the mom's basement, just wanting to troll and just be a right. shithead anyway. I'm not saying there's not, but you know the the culture comes from bands shitting on other bands because they like sure, each other. Involved. Yeah, it was just a camaraderie thing, and Lambgoat wasn't ever really supposed to get out into the mainstream quote unquote world, and it is. But the culture for Lambgoat, especially those who have been visiting for a long time, it's remained the same. So that's where the right. two worlds collide. <laughs> clash and collide sure. yeah, um, I mean I, I, like I said I don't uh, and I've been guilty of reading it too reading reviews <laughs> I'm just like oh man and I find you know it's it's funny I don't uh, you know you know art really. is subjective though James and you guys have been running for almost 30 years so either either you're doing it right and whoever reviewed the album is wrong or whatever but you know it's all subjective, man. And uh, yeah, you guys have made a long career. We don't, if we really cared about, you know, if we really cared about what other people thought, we probably would have quit after the first record. Yeah. And you know? I want to say, I want to say, as far as like bands that we've covered over the, I mean, it's, we're getting, we're going into our 25th year, right? So like you guys have almost been right alongside, or we've almost been right alongside for most of your, you know, your musical career. Uh, and that's just, you know, it's, it's, great that we can offer that and like you can look back if you wanted to you know yeah. not the comments but you can look back on lamb goat and look at like tours you've done in like the early 2000s yeah stuff sure. like that oh yeah so. yeah no it's cool we appreciate i mean we appreciate that i'm not saying it's you don't i'm just clarifying for the listeners yeah right on right on <laughs> all right i have a couple more questions left but i'm gonna go with two because we're, we're running okay. we're running almost to an hour okay you guys have been around for you know like i said a long long time yeah, we've said that's about twenty times. Yeah, legendary <laughs> ringworm, the Le- legendary classic. band, classic legendary classic. band. <laughs> I say that because, like, I want to know, like, is the current, the current, um, is this the current final form of ringworm, or how, how many, like, it will always evolve? Well, as far as musically, yeah. Like your direction, um, you know, like where you want to go. This is the way I look at it. Like everybody in, in, in the band does other bands. I mean, I'm in a band called Gluttons and we kind of, I play guitar in that, sing a little bit, but mostly play guitar. That's more of like a straightforward, like hard rock, like motorhead thing. Okay. And our singer sings kind of, he doesn't, doesn't do what I do. It's more of like a straight up rock and roll band. 
Uh, Matt has his other outlets, and Ed has his other outlets. He's in numerous bands. Um, so with Ringworm, I think we've always made made it the the intention of all of us. Either we're either we're doing that. Well, it all starts with Matt. It all starts with Matt because he creates the music. I have very little input on that. Maybe some song structures mm. or how many times we do a part, but that's about it. Matt, it starts with Matt, and Matt. Matt is very, um, he's, he's not, I don't want to call him an elitist, but he's, um, he's got a vision, like he knows the type of songs he wants to write, so he's not going to be writing any ballads anytime soon, so it starts there. But in the grand scheme of things, we like to keep, we don't want to reinvent the wheel, but occasionally we'll reinvent our own wheel a little bit. Yeah. And keep, I mean, there's certain bands, and I like to think we're one of them, that you know what you're going to get. You know, like when you hear Motorhead, you know what Motorhead's going to sound like. You know, you hear Bolt Thrower, you know what Bolt Thrower's yeah. going to sound like. Mm-hmm. ACDC, Napalm Death. You know exactly what you're going to get, and you find comfort in that. You know what I mean? It's like comfort food a little bit, you know? And uh, we like to keep it internally like that, too, because if we want to do other stuff, we can go do it and still keep Ringworm what it exactly. is. I mean, at this point, there's no there's no reason for us to do a techno record you know or you know what i'm saying there's no reason for us to do it do that why would we do that yeah so especially when we're so good at what we do right now you know what i mean so Agreed. we just we just keep fucking doing what we do and and uh yeah and uh, you know the more and more we do it you know a few more people get to hear it and they're like oh wow and it, we're actually at the stage right now where people younger people will hear us that have may not have heard us before and that you know they'll be like oh well they sound like these guys like those guys sound like us fucking two years yeah i think they kind of sound like us you know so you know um but yeah i think this is i mean what you hear from us is what you're gonna hear from us. roughly more of the same not in a bad way but just you know no not in a bad way at all i mean you know there's always a demand for you know, um, honest, heavy music that kind of punches you in the fucking face, and you know. No, I agree. There's nothing like there's nothing worse than a band you you really like, and then they have another album come out and they're trying something new, and you're like, oh boy, that's well, not. Well, you know thing. what? Like, but this also goes back back to the same thing too. It's like, I, you know, not that I don't appreciate when bands change. Sometimes they do it for the better, and they change their sound, and it's cool, and they just want to experiment with stuff, and that's cool. I don't have much range, you know. What, what, you know? Even if he came to the table with something completely different, I'll be like, "What am I supposed to do over that? You know, am I supposed to sing over that? You know, I can't do that. You know, at least not. I'm not going to try it in this band. Yeah. You know. So, like I said, we're we're, you know, I'll be the first to say that we're kind of a one trick pony, but it's a fucking really good trick. Yeah. It's a really good trick that you don't mind seeing all the time. You know. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, James, aka the don't you, have, don't you have a second question? I did, but you question. answered it. In, you answered it in that in that, very in that explanation. That way. No, I know, and I don't have to answer it. But All right. I do hope that we get a, another twenty Ringworm albums before everything yeah. is said and done. I, I hope you guys maintain along the longevity. Um, you know, I think it's really important that some of these and don't hate me legacy type bands from back in the day continue on uh for the diy community and just for like you know reference for 
for back then. I mean, it's it's great that you guys are still bringing it for this long. And uh, like you said earlier, things happen, especially COVID, where bands don't succeed or don't last. You know. Yeah. And it is a testament. You know, when when I use the word legacy band or legendary band in this in this you know realm, it's a testament because like it is beyond difficult to remain active in this you know in these genres more than oh, yeah. people think i mean there's a lot of people that are that you know metal and hardcore is their life and they're a fan and to them their band like they they look at the bands on stage and they're as big as kiss or as big as other bands that are you know shit rocking arenas but in reality mm-hmm. it's far from that you know what i mean and oh, you, yeah. you have your their their the way they see their the favorite bands is a little skewed so kudos to you guys for just you know oh, running through walls and continuing you know, well, it, you know, it gets, it, as, as I'll just throw this in there real quick, as odd as it seems, it's like the, for us, the older that we get, the, the more that we feel the need to go even harder because yeah. there's nothing worse when you it, it, feeling that like, if someone's like, man, I heard about this band Ringworm, I really want to go see them. And then they go see us and we're just a bunch of old tired guys. Yes. You know yeah. what I mean? So we go out of our way and we go 180 degrees to not do that. Mm. So as we keep putting as we get older and put more records out we try to keep going harder and more aggressive and just pushing the envelope more and more and more so that's kind of what you're seeing because you know there there's nothing worse than just having your expectations let down you know what i mean mm-hmm. and when it gets that when we can't when it gets to the point where we can't perform at a certain level then we'll just be like all right that was a great run you know yeah but right now there's really no little shit like i said We'll have to drop dead before that. Yeah. And again, you know, hardcore and all this other shit just kind of basically turned 40. So, you know, I'm hoping that you guys are still on stage at 70. I hope, you know, and that, cause we'll that doesn't seem, that seemed far fetched probably when you were a youngster. I, I understand. But now that we're here, it doesn't seem like that far fetched. You know, you have more years behind you than you, uh, more years in a band behind you than it would well, take you know to get what? to 70. Like, so. um, you know, negative approach are still rocking. Yeah. And, you know, and they've been doing it a lot longer than we have, and they still kill it live. So, yeah. you know. Someone's got to teach these young cats, man. Someone's got to teach these young cats, you know. So, hopefully right. you guys are stick, stick around and, and school them up, you know. That's right. All right, James. I appreciate your time today, brother. And if you're yeah. still listening to us, uh, definitely go, go listen to uh, Seeing Through Fire, which is out on... Uh, nuclear blast now as the podcast is out do you want to shout out your uh, tattoo stuff i don't know if you want to sure man okay. you could uh you could uh, uh go check out 252 tattoo on like the instagrams and stuff like that or james bullock or human furnace on on uh on like instagram stuff like that like you try to keep that as updated as possible with ringworm stuff and my art stuff and all that type of bullshit so um, yeah, you can find us out there. We're out there. Cool. And yeah, if okay, one more question. If a new, sure. if a younger kid came to you and was yeah. like, "How do I get in? How do I get into Ringworm? What's the one album that you're referencing?" That kid. Well, I would, my, I would just tell him to, to listen to my favorite of our records, uh, which is Venomous Grand Design. Awesome, awesome. Um, that's that's a sleeper record for me. Um, yeah, that's just my favorite record of ours. But um, I think most people would probably tell them to pick up one of the first three if you wanted to <laughs> but you know we, we like I said we've we've changed since the get go we've got you know we've become better musicians you know over the past 30 years and so you have a little bit more tools in your toolbox to make music and 
able to explore more of our influences that we we have in a better way. But uh, you know, maybe Justice Replaced by Revenge might be a good jumping point because that's kind of like where we took a turn for a little bit more metal sound. Yeah. So in that yeah. in that two year span of like that Victory Records time, yeah. mid two thousands. All right. So you heard it. Thanks for not talking about the Victory Records years because we would have been talking about Tony Brummel for like two hours. You know, I uh, I'm not gonna lie to you there, James. I thought about it, but I've also talked about it already on like the last I'm sure two you've or three. With no, like every day that's been on them. Two or three, yeah, the two or three podcasts before here, we've all we've already that's brought fine. it up. I so. appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, James. Thanks a lot for coming on the show today, man. And I, I hope to all see right, you man, soon. I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you. Take it easy, brother. Later. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.